you'll turn to Matthew 7, we are almost to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, last week we began to look at verse 15, where Jesus simply said, Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. And so we stopped right there and looked at some of the false prophets that we probably know about. And we've seen the, the effects and the results of. Today I want to go on down through verse 20 and see what else Jesus said about them. So let's read verses 15 through 20 of Matthew chapter 7. Remember Jesus is speaking. He says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, are they? Nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Now remember that Jesus started this little section by commanding us to enter the narrow gate that leads to salvation. He says there's a narrow gate and there's a wide gate. And now he warns us to beware of false prophets. And we saw last week that the picture is that false prophets are very intriguing and inviting us to come through the wide gate that leads to what? Destruction. Okay. And so they look alike. And, and Satan, when he's going to make a counterfeit dollar bill, he's not going to paint it red, right? And so it's going to look good. It's going to seem right. It's going to, seem, it's going to satisfy our want-tos, our wish-I-could, satisfy our flesh. And so Jesus is warning us about these two gates, these two ways, and one is the gate of salvation. The other one is the gate of damnation. And they look great. When we, when we hear, when we read about the two gates, it's almost like we want, might want to think that one of them, the one going to heaven, looks beautiful, you know, and is inviting. And this other one is ugly and creepy and, you know, nobody would want to go in there. Mm -mm. The narrow gate looks really, I mean, the wide gate looks really, really good. And so that's why Jesus is warning us here. There are two kinds of teachers in the world. Two kinds. True ones and false ones. That's it. Two categories. And so we need to be able to recognize what teachers are true and what teachers are false. Because false prophets are going to lead us through the wide gate to what? Destruction. So recognizing false teachers is not always easy. Because they are, as Jesus says here, they're dressed in sheep's clothing. They look good. They sound good. Their appearance is good. And so Jesus tells us they look like sheep, but inwardly they're what? Ravenous wolves. Ravenous wolves. And so then he says, you will know them by their fruits. Now, what's he talking, what's he talking about? Everything in nature reproduces after its kind. People reproduce people. 
Dogs reproduce dogs. Worms reproduce worms, right? So everything, and according to God's creation and his design, you, re, you re, reproduce what you are. And so a good tree here describes one that is good in its character and its constitution. So Jesus is talking about people, but he's giving these examples. And so a good tree has what it needs to function in a fully satisfactory way. Have you ever had a good tree in your yard maybe a fruit tree or an apple tree and that tree is healthy and it's good and if you can keep the deer from eating it it's going to produce good fruit right a good tree and so it's satisfactory so good fruit doesn't re doesn't refer to that which just looks good do you ever have an apple that looked wonderful on the outside big apple pretty apple and you cut into it and <coughs> rotten in the middle that's the kind of thing he's talking about here. You know, it, a good tree produces fruit that is genuinely and inherently good. And so he's talking about spiritual things. So spiritually, it's going to be what is righteous and excellent. So if they're producing good fruit, it is from an inside that is righteous and excellent, pleasing to God. So if the tree is good, it will bring forth good fruit. The fruit doesn't make the tree good. The tree makes the fruit good. Think about that for a minute. The tree makes the fruit good. So it's the goodness of the tree that makes the fruit what it is. So that's what he's talking about here. A person's works don't make him or her good. Right? Right? You know, what you see on the outside, what you do on the outside, doesn't make a person good. What makes a person good? What's on the inside. Has to do with motive. Has to do with purpose. And so, he is good before he performs good works. Or he would never be able to perform good works. That's what he's saying here. That a prophet, a good, a good teacher, one that is good, is going to do good things because he's good inside. A false prophet may look like he's doing good things, but if his insides are not right, then it doesn't matter how good the fruit may look, it's not good fruit. And then he goes on to say, um, if the tree is corrupt, then the fruit's going to be what? Corrupt, because it's going to produce after its own kind. So a bad tree is a rotten tree. It's a disgusting, corrupt tree, even though there may be times when it may be decorative and look really good. It's really a bad tree. It's an unhealthy tree, and that is shown by its inability to bear good fruit. Now, bad fruit refers to active opposition to good. These people are actively opposed to what God says is righteous and good. And so the good tree means a good heart. The good fruit is a holy fruit because it's coming from a holy, godly heart. You know, where he talks here, um, um, prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. That's what he's talking about here is the inward nature 
of, of a person that determines whether he's producing good fruit or bad fruit. So every heart is naturally wicked, isn't it? We're born with wicked hearts. We've all got wicked hearts. We've all had wicked hearts. And only God can take that vicious heart, that vicious tree, and create a good heart and make it continually fruitful in righteousness and true holiness. So that's what happens to us when we're saved and that Holy Spirit is imparted to us. Our nature is changed. Now we have something inside of us that's working toward good fruit. Only, then and only then can we produce good fruit because before that, we're vicious and our fruit may look good but not be good. So a tree is known by its fruits. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. If you walk up to a tree and there are apples hanging on that tree, then you know it's an apple tree, right? Big bush, whatever. And so the test for love of Christ is obedience to his commandments. Jesus said, this is how you're going to know if people love me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so he's referring to that here. He's showing us that here because that's the test. So our profession of Christianity is either proved or revoked by our daily life. And so Jesus begins to call attention to that. Our daily walk is going to reveal if our heart is good. It's going to reveal if we are producing good fruit. That daily walk is going to show it. So the fruit is evidence of the root. An apple hanging on a tree is evidence that the tree itself is indeed an apple tree. Okay? And so that's what Jesus is saying. So, so what is the fate of the rotten tree? He tells us here. Every tree that is rotten will not be allowed to continue producing bad fruit. It will be cut down. So when he's talking about rotten trees here, he's talking about false prophets. That's the topic, you know, of the section of scripture. And so he says, we're going to do away with false prophets. The day will come when they will be done away. Now, this word no is an interesting word. And to start back in 15, verse 16, he says, you will know them by their fruits. Now, that word know is an interesting word because it means you will know them by your experience with them. This is experiential knowledge. It's not just something that, you know, somebody told you that, that you're watching or that you observe from the outside. So you're going to know them by your experience with them. Now, Jesus gave a whole lot of warnings about false Christs and false prophets. So let's look at three of them. First one is in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verses 23 through 27. If anyone says to you, Behold, here is Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So 
you know what that says to me? They're going to be good at it. They're going to be good at it. We're going to be impressed with them. We're going to be taken with him. Do you remember last week when we were talking about Jim Jones? Were the people impressed with him? They were taken with him because of what they thought they were seeing, because of what they thought he was doing. So Jesus is warning here. He says they'll be able to do signs and wonders. And as the end of the world progresses, they will be able to do this more and more. Satan and his demons will be able to do miracles. Okay? So we're going to need to be able to identify what's from God and what's not. And Jesus says, verse 25, Behold, I have told you in advance. If therefore they say to you, Behold, he, Christ, is in the wilderness, do not go forth. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, don't, don't believe them. For just as lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. All right? And so he says, there's not going to be any doubt. You don't need to go looking for me wherever people say they have seen me. It's been a long time ago. Uh, I had a pastor uh, tell me one day that he believed when Jesus was coming back that he would be just like one of us and we would have to stop and consider whether it was really him or not. Reckon he had read that passage. Okay, so we got to know what this is, and we've got to be willing to pursue. We've got to be willing to hold up the circumstances to what is written in the Word of God, because this, this is the authority. This is going to tell us, and He's not going to let us miss it. Okay, look at Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3. And he says this, Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, <clears throat> Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was before its beginning of creation. What are they saying? He hadn't come yet, so that means he's not coming. And so what's he doing? He's warning us about that kind of thinking. Then the book of Jude, all the way to the end of the Bible, just before the book of Revelation, and it is a short little dude. One chapter. Jude and verses 17 and 18. And the whole theme of all of the book of Jude is contending for the faith. And so he says, but you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time, there shall be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. And so when we read about these folks, then one of the things we know when he talks about ungodly lusts and what he talks about thereafter, the bottom line of that for me is thereafter their selves. <laughs> you know, it's all about them, uh, what they can get, uh, what kind of attention they can get. So consistently, Scripture, I think, reveals that. But he says, the best way to guard yourself against false teachers, against false prophets, against falsehoods, is to know the truth. 
and to be committed to it. I was fascinated several years ago. I never thought about how you identify counterfeit money. And the way they teach bankers, tellers, to identify counterfeit money is that they make them handle the real stuff so much that when something different comes along, they recognize it. That's the way we handle the Word of God. We know the truth so well that when we're so absorbed in Scripture, Scripture is so absorbed in us that when something else comes along that's not true, we're going to go, now, wait a minute. And my experience has been that I may not necessarily know chapter and verse in that moment. I may not be able to specifically say, this is what's wrong with this, and it's written in such and such. But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. There's going to be a check in your spirit. It may be a, something just doesn't seem right here. You ever have that feeling? Something just doesn't seem right here. And when you've got that feeling, what are you going to do? You're going to examine it and evaluate it and see. If that's right or wrong. But that's what, he's, that's what he's talking about. So we want to know the truth. Be committed to it. And so um, I read that some buckhorn bushes in Palestine produce black berries that from a distance look like grapes. So it's really interesting. I really wish that I knew more about the culture and the geography and all of that in the Bible because these people would have known that. They would have known that at a distance a buckhorn bush looks like a grapevine and head toward it to eat the grapes. You know, so we're going to have to closely inspect either of them to know what they really are. And we have to closely inspect those people that we listen to, those people who teach us, me included, closely inspect to see, is it true? Is it real? And so we're to evaluate teachers and preachers that we listen to. And this is true of people who all they want to do is listen to preachers on television. Some of them may be wonderful. Some of them are wonderful. But others of them, you go, hmm. You're going to get a check in your spirit. And so sound teachers exhort us to live by Jesus' rules of the kingdom. That's what they're going to do. They're going to exhort us to do what Jesus says, to live according to the kingdom. So they're going to, a true teacher is going to call us to repent, and they're going to call us to live as salt and light. And there are a few TV preachers who do that. You're going to see other TV t preachers who do what? If you'll just send me some money, then I will pray for you. Or if you will just do this, that, or the other, you know, and all this wonderful stuff. You know, you know, you've heard it. Where is it written? You know, where is the counterfeit? You know, and so... True prophets are going to help us understand that we can't keep God's law on our own power. True prophets are going to show us that we need the Holy Spirit in us to be able to do this discerning. To be able to do this recognizing of what is true and false. And when you feel that little check in your spirit, that's not you. You know who that is? That's the Holy Spirit going... <clears throat> We need to check this out. Better check it out. You don't need to say anything. You don't need to go blabbing your mouth about it. But you know you've got that check.
that check in your spirit. And more and more you'll get to where you think, you know, something just doesn't seem quite right. You ever get, do y'all ever get that? Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know, where you just think there just may just not be something quite right here. And sure enough, you may be finding out that it was partial truth. Well, guess what? Partial truth is not truth. Partial truth is a lie. Okay? But you're going to see it. Now, understanding as well, and I, I tried to clarify this last week. I want to clarify it again. Sometimes there are good people who are committed to the Word of God, who teach the Word of God, who maybe just haven't studied a passage long enough to get it right. You know, so that's why we've got to be discerning. God has given the gift of discernment. The Holy Spirit is going to do that in us so that we will be able to figure out, okay, what's really the problem here? What is the root? What is, what is the real truth? So, real quick, what are some things we're to watch for? What are some things we're to watch for when we're trying to identify false prophets? Number one, what does he say about Jesus? Does he make much of Jesus? You know, And so some of the false prophets are going to say things, oh, he was a good man. He was a good prophet, but he wasn't. He wasn't God. He wasn't God's son. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to recognize it as counterfeit because I know what this says. And so when I do that, then I'm going to recognize him as what? A false prophet. A false prophet is not going to tell you the truth about Jesus. Um, in Matthew chapter 16, Verses 15 and 16, Jesus asked, Whom do you say that I am? Whom do you say that I am? And that's a good thing to some of, ask some of these people that come knocking on your door. Who do you say that Jesus is? And that quick, you're going to know. That quick. I promise you, you're going to know. And so uh, Peter answered and said what? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus called Peter blessed. So in examining our own hearts, I have to say, do I really believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do I really believe that he was God in the flesh? That's what scripture says. Do I really believe? To what degree do I believe that he died in the flesh and then was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father? So i got to know who Jesus is, and I'm going to hold those that are accountable around me, especially the ones that I listen to to teach me to know that. So be on guard of anyone. Be aware of anyone who denies that Jesus is God, who downplays the sacrificial death and the cross and the resurrection. You're going to have those people out there who don't believe that's the only way to be saved. Well, there's a problem, Sherlock. There's a counterfeit. Because what does scripture tell us? The only way, the only way we can be saved is by salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. And also those who reject Jesus' humanity. Some will say, nah, he, wasn't, he didn't really become man. He didn't really become flesh. But you see how blatant it is that they're, that they're totally writing a different Bible according to their own opinion and what they want it to be. It's one of the reasons there's such an attack on the word of God today. Is because this is the authority. You've got to know if this is your authority or if you're trying to rewrite part of it. And whatever you rewrite ain't going to work. 
Okay, that's what the Pharisees were trying to do. That's what Jesus is doing here on the Sermon on the Mount is he's saying to the Pharisees, look, you may have a lot of righteousness, but it's not this righteousness. And if it's not this righteousness, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so how did he start it? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be a poor in spirit? I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm in need of a savior and there's only one. Okay, so beware of anyone who does not teach or preach the gospel. There's a lot of teaching out there today that's saying there are other ways to go to heaven. You know, or you can do this sin or that sin and we'll, we'll be okay. God's merciful. Uh-uh. Where's it written? There's your standard. And so the gospel is the good news concerning Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So statements like, you're going to hear statements like, Oh, God loves you, and he just wants you to feed the hungry, and he wants you to just be wealthy. And if you'll send me some money, he will triple that wealth. You heard it? So what's the main thrust? Is the main thrust Jesus? Where do your eyes fall when you're listening to some of these people? Does it fall on them or does it fall on Jesus? If it doesn't fall on Jesus, there's a problem. There's a problem. So be sure that they are not changing the basic message of the gospel. And you're not going to know that if you don't know what the gospel is. So you need to know the truth. You need to know the standard so that you can hold anything else up to it. Second thing is, does the teacher's character qualities glorify the Lord? Does the teacher's character qualities glorify the Lord? A false teacher can be known by his pride. He can be known by his greed. He can know, be known by his rebellion. And so when we, when we look at what Jesus is saying about fruit, it can look really good. But what's the character? What's on the inside? What's in the heart? And what's in the heart is going to be revealed by that person's relationship and obedience to Jesus. Okay? False prophets are, are people who claim to speak for God, but have their own agendas. They're using God's stuff to promote themselves. And that's a, kind of a ground rule. Real quick. Pray on the spiritually immature. They will pray on the spiritually immature. They're going to pray on those people that are not in God's word on a daily basis in a deeper way to know what it says. They're going to distort scripture. They're going to distort its interpretation for people who don't know scripture very well. They're targets. And so their teaching is born out of ungodly ambition ignorance and conceit you find that in first timothy 1 verses 6 and 7 we don't have time to go there but their teaching is born out of ungodly ambition well i'm going to tell them this so i can get them to do so and so you know we manipulate by our own opinions or whatever instead of just by the word of god you know or it can be ignorance or it can be conceit but they don't understand what they're teaching and they do it for money. They do it for money. How much are you going to pay me? How much are you going to send me? Okay. Not every spiritual work is from God. Not every spiritual work is from God. The spirit of the messenger 
and the message has got to be tested by the fruit. And Jesus warns us and warns us and warns us. And right here in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's warning us again. So what's he just said? You've got a wide gate. You've got a narrow gate. Wide gate's going to look really, really good. But you better check out that guy that's trying to get you to walk it. Narrow gate's hard. One way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. Your only option for going through the narrow gate. Wide gate leads to destruction. Narrow gate leads to eternal life.